Would you turn to uh, Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles? <clears throat> if you have your Bible, you can flip there. Or if, you, uh, if your Bible is on your phone, on the YouVersion Bible app, you can click. Or don't, you don't click on a phone, you tap. Uh, tap more, and then events, and New Hope Christian Center will pop up. And all the notes, all the scriptures I'm going to use are going to be right there for you uh, today. So uh, while you're turning to Mark chapter 5, I want to tell you a quick story. I was sitting on my... Um, my porch a while back. I don't have much of a porch. It's just like a couple steps. But I was sitting out there late one evening and the sun was just going down. I saw just a little bit of color in the west still, but it was pretty much dark. And my bush right out here, I had a bush that started to move a little bit. I thought, it's a dumb cat. And I saw this dumb cat move out and I wanted the dumb cat to go. I mean, I, I, I wanted to say, go home which I could do if it was a dog, because they're smart. <laughs> but since it was a cat, I had to communicate in words that a cat would understand. And so I, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I stood up and kind of did that, yeah, yeah. And right then, that, this is a black cat. That black cat's tail went straight up in the air. And I saw that black cat's tail was abnormally bushy for a cat. And I got a little bit of a closer look and I realized this black cat had some very strange, familiar looking white stripes along the side. And I realized that this dumb cat was not a dumb cat. There was just a dumb landowner. Once my you see, I had a picture in my mind of the way things were. There was a dumb cat on my property, and I wanted to get, get that thing out of here. And then my eyes were open to the truth <laughs> that this was a skunk threatened. And everything in my life right at that moment changed. I, praise the Lord, he did not decide to fire. He kept it in, but I was... I'm getting out of my yard. So when I, I got back inside, I was safe. I mean, everything was cool. Uh, but be warned of black cats. There might be more to that situation. You might have, be looking at situations in your life. And you're thinking, oh, this, this thing is happening. There might be more to it. There might be another layer behind it. There might be more reality. What you see doesn't mean it's real. There might be more happening than what's happening, what you see happening. Does that make sense? Can I say it cool on my paper? There may be more to what you see than what you see. There you go. There may be more to what you see than what you see. If you take one thing away from the message today, I hope it's this. God can help you overcome your stink. And there's more happening in your life than you realize. If you're in Mark chapter 5, say, yep. yep. <clears throat> okay, we're going to look at uh, a story in the Bible of where there was overcoming at play. And we'll see at the end of the story, Jesus blew their minds. Literally, that's what the Greek says. Jesus blew their minds. And we're going to read this together. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21, Mark 5, verse 21, the Bible says this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. I just, sometimes the Bible says things in a funny way. I think it's very interesting that the Bible took the, took the time to say when Jesus had again crossed over by boat. 
How else is he going to get across the lake? It's not like he can walk on the... Okay, okay. Mark knew what he was doing. So, so it's specified, by boat. He wasn't walking this time. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Just, just imagine that. There was a large crowd with him, and he got into the boat to get, to get away from him for a minute, and he got to the other side of the lake, and a large crowd had gathered waiting for him. It's like he's the president or something. Like, like people were following him. He had a little uh, crew because they all wanted to see a miracle or something. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus. That name Jairus, it means may Yahweh enlighten. He's about to get enlightened. That's about to happen. Uh, a synagogue leader named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Identify with Jairus for a minute. Sometimes when we just see words on the page, they're just words on a page. But imagine what that would be like. This man's child was dying. It doesn't say so here, but I imagine he was sobbing, screaming. Jesus probably had to say, wait, wait, what? What? Because you know when you're crying, you, you can't understand somebody. He probably went, what? What'd you say? What? Oh, your daughter's dying. This man pleaded earnestly. Imagine what that would be like. There's this great hurt. And so Jesus moved with compassion, went with, with, went with the man. And then for the next 10 verses, there's this uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 34. There's a, like a parenthetical break. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And on the way, he's crowded in. Everyone's trying to get with them and like, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're cool. And everyone's touching them. And there was this woman, the Bible tells this story. There's this woman who had a medical issue and she had had it for 12 years and she, she suffered for 12 years, the Bible said. And she had faith and she crawled up and she just believed that if she touched Jesus's clothes, she would be healed. And, and, and she did. She reached out and she just touched the, the, the clothes and she had the faith that she would be healed. And she was, she knew right away that she was healed. And Jesus knew too. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? And all the disciples around him said, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's people all over. Everybody's touching you right now. You're, you're, it's kind of jammed packed right now. What do you mean somebody touched you? He said, no, no, power just left me. Who touched me? Jesus was on a mission, okay? This 10 verse section of Jesus healing the woman of an issue of blood, this is a break in our story about Jairus. Jesus was on a mission. There was a girl who was dying. And he stops to say, who touched me? Who touched me? Jesus could have known he's God. If he was, if he was in such a hurry, he could have just winked at her. Like she got healed and he goes. <laughs> and kept going. That could have happened, but uh, that's not what happened in verse, it's not on the screen, but in verse uh, 32, Mark specifies, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Consider the time. Jesus was a Jew. This woman had been suffering from her medical issue for 12 years. It was an issue of blood. She would have been considered ceremonially unclean. No one can touch her, but she went in and touched Jesus, and he stopped and still had compassion. He wanted to know this woman 
personally. Not just, here's your healing for the day. That's not how he wanted to know this lady. He wanted to stop. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is all really just a sidebar from our story. But I want you to get this. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. It doesn't matter how messed up your past has been. It doesn't matter how impure you feel. When your faith comes in contact with the Father, our God, he will turn. He will look at you and say, hey, he wants to be personal. He wants to get personal with you, with your life. He wants to, get per- he wants to speak to you personally when you read the Bible. He wants to speak to you personally when you're praying. He, God wants to speak to you personally, maybe right now in the next 20 minutes when I'm talking. He is a personal God. You have a relationship with him, and it, God doesn't want it to end with, thanks for coming tonight. <laughs> he wants to be personal with you. Somebody say, preach it. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, pick up our story again in verse 35. Try to identify with Jairus, the, the father of the daughter. Verse 35. When Jesus was still speaking to the woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Here's number one, overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Jairus had mustered up just enough faith to leave his home where, her daughter, where his daughter was dying He heard Jesus was, hey, he's in a boat. He's coming across the lake. So he ran over to be a part of that crowd when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake. And Jairus had just enough faith to believe maybe Jesus can do something. And so he says, Jesus, can you come heal me? And Jesus says, yes. And he goes with Jairus. And along the way, people come and reality sets in. Your daughter died. Imagine how he feels at that moment. He had hope. He had mustered up enough hope, enough faith that Jesus could heal, and then it was all gone. Have you ever felt like that? Reality, reality showed up in your world. All hope is gone. Without hope, there's nothing to have faith in. And when you have no faith, you will fear. So fear, therefore, is the opposite of faith and hope. So when Jairus' hope was removed, that's why Jesus said, don't be afraid. He could have said, have hope, but no, he said, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I think some of us may suffer from fear. You know you suffer from fear if you worry, okay? So think of it like this. A lack of faith will lead to fear, right? A lack of faith is worry. That's what worry is. You worry because you don't, believe something's gonna happen, so you worry. Therefore, worry equals fear. So every time I say fear, I'm also talking about worry. So this could be overcoming worry, overcoming fear. 
Fear and worry in our lives is debilitating. It restricts your movement, your progress in your life. It should have taken Israel two weeks to get from Egypt to the promised land, but it took them 40 years. Why? They were scared. Fear is the only reason that they couldn't get to what God had for them. And I wonder if fear and worry may be the reason you're where you are and not where God wants you to be. Maybe. When you feel hopeless, the solution to feeling hopeless, when you feel hopeless, increase your faith. When you feel fear set in, increase your faith. When you feel worried, increase your faith. Well, Pastor Adam, that sounds really easy just to say increase your faith, but how am I supposed to increase my faith? Very good question. (laughs) Very good question. And that's a question that Jesus answered in uh, Luke chapter 17. Do we have it? Luke, Luke 17. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Or how are we supposed to do that? He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. You see, this passage uh, is showing us that great faith is faith in God. Great faith is not, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Great faith is he can do it, he can do it, he can do it. Faith is very important. It's incredibly important. But at the same time, it's insignificant. The right kind of godly faith is when we realize the great power of God. Faith is vital. But if you want your faith to grow, it grows when you realize that that your wishing is insignificant compared to God's power. It's not your mustard seed that's gonna fling the mulberry tree. It's God that flings it because of the mustard seed. Make sense? So it's not not important. Faith is so important. But great godly faith is faith in God. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. And trusting him. When you realize just how big your God is, it will stir up your faith. Many of us here today, I believe, are struggling with some fear. Struggling with worry. Some of you get called a worry wart. You're struggling with fear. You need to overcome fear. And to do that, you have to increase your faith. Maybe you're worried about your kids. Maybe you worry all the time about your credit card debt. Maybe you're worried about your grades. Maybe you're worried about a situation with your boss. Maybe you've lost all hope like Jairus, like Jairus had in this story. If you identify with Jairus, he was just told his, your daughter died. Maybe you just lost all hope in that area. Listen here, Jesus says to you today, don't be afraid. Don't fear, don't worry. Just believe. That's what Jesus said, just, just believe. The solution is that you need to meditate on God. Everybody say meditate. 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 I want you to meditate on God. You might say, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You just got to change the channel. 
Meditate on God's word. That's the channel. Meditate on God's character. Meditate on God's voice. Meditate on God's plan. All right, let's see the next thing uh, that was overcame in verse 37. Mark chapter five, verse 37. So uh, Jesus is with Jairus. They're, They're at the home or they're going to the home, about to go to the home. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Again, just pause, imagine this. A little girl just died. And there's a big group of people crying and wailing loudly. It was not, (laughs) that's not, That's not what it sounds like when a little girl dies. There was sobbing. There was yelling. He went in, verse 39, Jesus went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. They laughed at the faith of the son of God, if they only knew. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and he went in to where the child was. Here's the second point, you can write this down, overcoming negativity. Let's identify with Jesus for a minute. He showed up, he has faith, and he got laughed at. How are you supposed to, how are you supposed to follow that after you just got, like, like, what are you supposed to do after that? It's a hard act to follow, I suppose. Um, make no mistake about it, this girl was dead. She was dead. But Jesus knew who she was. Sorry, Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was. And for him, resurrection is as simple as waking up somebody. That's all it was. Oh, she's just sleeping, you don't know. You don't know, let me take care of this. That's how he's heading into it. Jesus' faith was laughed at and scorned. But Jesus refused to be inspired by negativity. Do you know what the word inspired means? means to breathe in. I'm inspired. Usually we use the word to mean, I've been inspired. Let me play an amazing song. Let me paint a great painting. But did you know you can be inspired negatively? Depression. Oppression. Lies. Sometimes these set in when we're little. Something happens to us when we're young. And that negativity latches onto us and eats away at our hearts. If that, happens to, if that happened to you, then you've been inspired by negativity. Jesus didn't allow that to happen to him. He refused to be inspired by a negative word. God's word says it elsewhere in Romans chapter 8 says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even when situations around us look dark, look dim, we know God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So let's be inspired by the truth, amen? Amen. Don't be inspired by, by the lies, by negativity. That's how it happens. We're inspired by negativity when we're inspired by lies. There's a lie, 
and we agree with it. We accept it. That's, that's how you own negativity in your life. Be inspired by the truth. And remember that what you see with your eyes isn't always truth. Just like I saw a cat. What you see with your eyes isn't always truth. I think uh, a lot of us uh, today, we've based our lives upon an internal mental reality that we've created for ourselves. Perhaps after something bad happened to us. Too much of our lives is based upon the internal mental reality that we've created for ourselves. Everyone at work hates me. I'm a terrible mother. I'm not valued or loved by, by anyone unless I perform a certain way. Unless I, I do good enough. There's no hope for my future. I'm unhirable. These are all lies. What are yours? The lies that you've agreed. You have an agreement with a lie, perhaps in your heart. What is it? It's a lie. These are all lies. Stop being inspired by the lies. You're being inspired by negativity when you agree with it. Be inspired by the truth. You are valuable to a lot of people simply because you're a human made in the image of God and any other reason is irrelevant. That's the truth. The truth is every mom feels that way, including the mom on Instagram that you keep comparing yourself to. The truth is your worth is not connected to your performance. The truth is God has good plans for you. So when you look upon your life and you realize that you've agreed with, with a lie, that's negativity. You've been inspired by untruth. You gotta flip it. Turn to the person next to you and say, flip it. Don't hit the person next to you. I just heard somebody say, ow. Just turn to the person next to you. You gotta flip it. If you've been inspired by negativity, you've agreed with a lie, here's how it works. You reject the lie, you accept the truth. You reject the lie, say reject the lie. Accept the truth. Let's say it together. Reject the lie, accept the truth. Again, reject the lie, accept the truth. Some of you can do this when you're sitting in your car. You could say, I am not worthless. I am made in his image. And that can be broken. You can be inspired by truth. Some of you have lives so deep that you've agreed with for so long, you feel powerless against it. How am I supposed to fight against that? Here's the good news. The Bible tells us how to fight against that. Confess your sins to one another so that they can pray with you. There's people in our church who are ready and available to help walk through your deliverance, to help you flip it from being inspired by negative to being inspired by truth. If you want to get involved in that, you need, you're like, hey, I need, I need someone to walk me through that. If you go to the kiosk right out there or go to mynewhope.in, the very first card says, I want to get free. I'd encourage you to tap on that and fill it out. The, fill out the little form. It's like your name and your phone number. We'll get in touch with you because we have people ready to help you flip it so you can accept truth in your life. All right, let's move on. So Jesus cleared the house of Jairus. He's there. He says, this girl's just sleeping. That's all that's happening. They're like, ha, 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 son of God, he doesn't know nothing. 
And he cleared them out. He says, get out of here. Get out of here, guys. He probably said it politely, but I don't know. Get out. I got something to do. And he's in the home. He's about to blow everybody's mind. He's about to overcome death. Let's pick it up. Where are we going? Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 41. Uh, as soon as I find it. There we go. Mark chapter 5, verse 41. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. How cool is it? The Bible was written in Greek, but this part right here was Talitha kum. That was written in Aramaic. That was the language Jesus was speaking when he was saying all of this. And so when Peter was, Peter was an eyewitness to this event, and when Peter was telling Mark what to write down, it was so vivid in his mind that he's speaking in Greek. And, and in Greek, he's saying, Jesus took her by the hand and he said to her, and it stuck in his mind. And he said the exact words that Jesus used, the Aramaic, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, which in Greek means God blew their mind. <laughs> he gave strict orders not to, tell any, let, not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. In my mind, mom and dad were standing there. Their little girl, their dead little girl just stood up. And Jesus probably, like, I, I don't know if he said something before this, but he, in my mind, he did. In my, my, my mind, he was like, what are you doing? Give him something to eat. <laughs> Don't just stand there. She's alive. It's time to do something. <laughs> Here's number three. Overcoming death. Overcoming death. There are three steps to overcoming death. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Here's step number one, or A. a step number A. Jesus takes us by the hand. I love the detail that was provided in this eyewitness account of Jesus healing someone. I love the detail. Jesus reached down and he took this little girl by the hand. Remember, at this moment, that little girl was a corpse. She was dead. For a Jew to touch a corpse was a big no-no. But Jesus has power all of, over all of that. He has power over impurity. And he reached down and took the hand of the unclean. He will reach down and take the hand of somebody like you. He will reach down and take the hand of somebody like that person that you're thinking about right now. Them. There's not a, there's not a, person or a people group on the planet that Jesus will not reach down and take the hand of. Doesn't matter how unclean they are. He reached down and he took the little girl by the hand. So that's, that's, that's the first part of overcoming death. Jesus takes us by the hand. Here's the second part. We rise. I believe Jesus, when he died on the cross, in this allegory anyway, or in this, uh, in this comparison, when Jesus died on the cross and came back to life, he paid the price for sin for everyone. So he's taken everyone by the hand. 
Are they going to accept it? Have they heard about it yet? He's ready. He's ready. So step number one, Jesus takes us by the hand. Step number two, we rise. Turn to the person next to you and say, we rise. We rise. Ephesians talked about this. Ephesians chapter two says, and God raised us up with Christ. God raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All right, so Jesus takes us by the hand. We rise. That's what the little girl did. And then what did she do? She got food. Here's the third step. We do something. We do something. In this narrative where this little girl was ready to eat, have you ever been really sick before? Like, you start to feel better, and it's a few days before you really have an appetite. This girl was all the way healed. She was hungry. She was ready to, you know, have like a cheeseburger or something. No, they were juice, sorry. Lasagna. They were going to have lasagna. <laughs> and we are to do something as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's the reason we exist, is to do something in God's kingdom. Would you stand with me? I really love this picture of the girl's appetite coming back. And I believe tonight God's going to do that same thing. I believe there's a spiritual hunger. That's just dead in some of us. I'll get to that in just a second. There's two types of people that I want to talk to tonight. The first is anyone who's never rose. You realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Maybe you're realizing it right now, but you realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Your sin separates you from, separates you from God. He died to pay the penalty for your sin. And he came back to life. And now all you have to do is look to him and accept him as the answer. And you can have unity with God forever. Maybe you've never stood up spiritually. You're just spiritually dead. You haven't even accepted Christ. If that's you, let's pray. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. Just agree in your heart with what I'm saying. I believe I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from you. And I believe you paid the price for my sins. And right now, I want to accept you. I want to make you king. I want to make you Lord of my life. Please change me forever. Amen. Welcome to the family. Here's the second type of person I want to talk to today. I believe there's a whole lot of the church that has experienced or is experiencing right now a death. Maybe there's a thing in your life that's dead. I think a lot of us are stuck paralyzed in fear or worry. That's a lack of faith. Listen, that's a spiritual death. I mean, your whole spirit's not dead, but it's, but it's a spiritual death. Jesus is ready. If you have a lack of faith, you worry too much. Jesus right now is grabbing your hand and he's waiting for you to stand up and rise with truth. I think some of us may be here and, and, and we have... Uh, 
this, this issue with, with negativity. We keep having negative thoughts. That's a, that's a spiritual death. There's a part of our spirit that's dead. Jesus is grabbing your hand right now and inviting you to stand up and do something. He's waiting for you to stand up and embrace truth, embrace faith. And as I was preparing, I believe that there was a very specific death that I think a lot of us are struggling with. It's the death of our hunger, a death of our spiritual hunger. If there's ever been a day where you wanted God more than you want him today, then that means your hunger has waned. If there's ever been a day where you were closer to God than you are now, he didn't move. I think hunger is dying in many of the church. Just like that little girl, she, there was a death there. She was dead. Jesus is gonna grab your hand tonight and he wants you to stand up and do something. He wants you to stand up and he's gonna heal your hunger. Your appetite's gonna come right back, right back and you're gonna want God more than you ever have. Do you receive that? Lord, we wanna be fully surrendered to you. We want you more than anything. I pray that wherever there's a death, wherever there's something that's not pleasing you, you would convict our hearts right now. Thank you for grabbing our hand, Lord, and we commit right now in our spirits. We rise, we rise, are made alive. We're gonna do something. We're gonna, we're gonna step out and do something in response to your healing touch. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in our hearts. We will praise you. We will glorify you. We will stand and rise, even when we don't feel it, because we know that you're behind it. You, you cause all things to work together for those who love you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your continued love and guidance in our heart. It truly amazes us. We love you. In Jesus' name. where tomorrow I'm going to have something really cool to say to finalize things, but I haven't thought of it yet. So go with God, you're dismissed.